Welcome to the House Top Podcast, the teaching arm of Oikos Ministries. Jesus said, Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Join our host, Terrell Abair, as he teaches God's Word. Welcome back to Oikos Ministries Facebook Live. We do this every Wednesday night. And we record it in a bunch of different ways and put it on our website. And you can hear it on Spotify and on uh, YouTube and on the website itself. There's all kind of ways to listen. If you're one of those podcasters, we have all kind of ways to view this uh, this message. So tonight what we've been doing is going through the book of Ephesians. We're in chapter one. We're not going too fast or too far. A lot of meat in this book. And so we're taking our time and going right through and really just uh, pulling up all these hidden treasures and good word tonight to segue into our message for tonight. We'll be talking about the mystery, the revelation of the mystery. And so um, without further ado, I'm going to jump right into it. But if you missed any of these broadcasts, we'd we'll like to catch up or there's a lots of teachings on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com. You can go there and uh, a lot of information there, a lot of uh, good teachings, audios, videos, books, and you can uh, really peruse through there, and I'm sure the Lord will bless you. So without further ado, let's get right into our message tonight. I'll start reading in Ephesians chapter 1. We'll pick it up in verse 8. We're going to read through the 14th verse. And so it says, sorry, I'm going to read from verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. I want to point out a couple of things right here in this reading. We're, of course, we're going to elaborate tonight on the mystery of his will. But really the passage that, that stuck most with me this week, you're going to find it right here in, uh, in verse uh, 10, I believe it is, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one, all things in Christ. He might gather together in one all things in Christ. This is a tremendous passage to me. Had my, my, my total focus has been on that all week, but it seems that the deeper I studied into this, the more I had to elaborate on the mystery of His will. And so we're going to deal with that. But the other part that I want you to look down, if we look at in the latter verses in verse 14, He is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory, the redemption of the precious possession. Now, last week, as we talked about that word redemption, we also included that little passage into our message last week. The redemption of the body, 
the redemption or the resurrection of the body is what that really, really gets down to. Uh, and we, we dealt with all that. You can go back and listen to that. I don't want to bog down by talking too much about that tonight. But uh, if we get to the nuts and bolts or the real nitty gritty of what we want to talk about tonight, it says uh, in verse uh, uh, nine, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Now, that word mystery uh, is uh, mysterion in the Greek language, and it means to cover up or to, or to uh, really to cover the mouth, um, keep silent. It's a it's a it's a thing not known. It was it was now what's happened, though. The mystery has been revealed. And so it's not a mystery any longer. But the, the, the terrible irony is the, 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 the problem is that to those that it's been revealed, we see it clearly. But some who have their minds blinded cannot see this. They just cannot see it. And the, the purpose of the minister is to try to make men see what is this, the revelation of this mystery. And so we will clarify that mystery tonight or attempt to clarify it and hope uh, that many would break through at this point. Now, here we are 2000 years removed. And he said the mystery was revealed. And uh, as we get into that and start seeing what it is, um, that the mystery revealed seemed like a big thing in the first century church. It was huge. And, and, and without further ado, let's just jump right in. Look at Ephesians chapter two. Let me just say in Ephesians in chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter five and chapter six, Paul describes the mystery. And so really, if you start putting that into a context of the whole book of Ephesians, we're seeing that he, he didn't lose sight of this of this part uh, that. The, the duty of the minister to bring and reveal the mystery, make men see what is this mystery. And, and it's a part of the gospel. So let's, let's just look at it in chapter two. We'll pick it up in uh, verse 11. Therefore, remember that you were that once that, that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by who oh, excuse me, I'm tongue tied who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near, for, the, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the father. Now, to me, when I first started studying this years ago, when I was a young preacher, I'm telling you, this it just it seemed so over. It's like, well, everybody knows that, that the Gentiles now can come to God. Apparently, in that first century, this was such a powerful revelation. And here we are 2000 years removed. It's kind of like all the parables when you read the parables. Yeah, I get it. Well, you wouldn't have got it that day. It, you get it because somebody has explained those things. But now the beauty of the gospel is that 
He broke down the wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. Remember, God was exclusively the God of the Jews. He was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the promises were exclusively to him, to them, uh, to the fathers, we would call them, and to the land of Israel. Now, look, folks, the confusion, I believe, the religious confusion that comes with this is so demonic uh, to, to literally cloud everything with a blending, if you would, of everything. We cannot see this new covenant clearly for some reason. And the, I mean, this was the first century problem. They tried to blend Jew and Gentile. They tried to blend law and grace. They tried to blend uh, uh, Moses and Christ. And look, folks, the Bible said, if you go back in chapter one, he says the, the, the mystery of the will was that it, it eventually that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, God would gather together all in one in Christ Jesus. Now, this is this is it. He's not gathering them together in Moses. Come on now. He's not going to gather them together in Mary. Oh, y'all, you listen to he's not going to gather them together in Muhammad. He's not going to gather them together in any of the myriads of religions. He's gathering everything together in one in Christ Jesus. This is a powerful revelation and the big vision. And it's not just about who you can lead to Jesus. The big picture is that everything is going to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen to me carefully. Everything and everyone will not if answer, buts, everyone, because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, whether it be in heaven and the earth, whether it be in the sea or under the sea, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God, the father. And he seated him far above all principality, power, might and dominion right at the right hand of God. He said, sit here at, 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 at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Hear me carefully. Everything will come under subjection to Christ himself. This is a powerful understanding. And we need to get this in our own spirit that whether you say, well, there are people who name the name of Christ who are not uh, valid. They, they lie that you let me tell you, God will sort all that out. Let me tell you that right now. But everything will come under this for the purpose of eternal judgment. Yeah. Stay with it, buddy. Let's look at Ephesians chapter three. Let's look there quickly. In Ephesians three, I'll start reading in verse one. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. Look at there. He made known to me the mystery. Of Christ, which in other ages was not made known by the son or to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be for fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective work of his power. Now watch to me, watch this carefully. To me, who am less than the least of the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. 
Look, the fellowship of the mystery. No, there's there's no mystery about it any longer. It's Jew and Gentile worshiping one God through Jesus Christ, not through Moses, not through uh, uh, I'm not through Mary, through Jesus Christ. Let's get all the all the sidetracking garbage. And I said garbage out of the way. I'm calling Moses garbage. I'm calling Mary garbage. Get it out of the way. I'm telling you what we're going to be gathered together is one in Christ. Listen to me. The Bible says in the book of, I think, uh, second Corinthians chapter five, it says God was in Christ. Listen to that carefully. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. Huh? Now Christ is in us. So God is in Christ and Christ is in us. God lives in me. And he lives in me and I am becoming a minister of this reconciliation to reconcile all things. And look, look, watch carefully. What Look at Paul's target. You got to see this. Look what Paul's target audience was. He said, verse nine, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God may be known by the church. Right? We're going to make this mystery known. The church is going to make it known to principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen to it carefully. You and I are commissioned to preach this gospel, to make devils know, to make principalities know, to make invisible things, the invisible creation. We preach. Uh, I was reading it this morning. God told Ezekiel, prophesy to the mountains. Look, man, sometimes you might sound crazy. Begin to speak it out that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and that Jew and Gentile have one hope and it's in Christ Jesus. All the nations can come to Jesus. I don't care who you were. I don't care what religion you were raised on. You can come to Christ. This is a wonderful thing. There's no exception, no excuse. And it's a baffling thing to me that the Jew couldn't get this. God told Abram, Abram, come out from your father's house and from the, from your father's place. And he said, I will, I will make you a great uh, 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 I will make you great and your name will be great and you shall be a blessing. And in you shall all the nations of the earth <coughs> be blessed. <coughs> Excuse me. So the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the missionary work, God called Abram, made him a blessing. And through Abram, all the nations would be blessed. Yet they hated the nations. <coughs> Why did the Jew blinded? Couldn't see that God wanted the nations. Think about it. Judah had uh, intercourse with his daughter-in-law, Tamar, and they had a baby. Listen to me carefully. Tamar had a baby out of wedlock to Judah, one of the uh, sons of, uh, uh, of Jacob. Judah had the baby. And a terrible story. Go read it. Rahab, the harlot. By the way, Tamar was a non-Jew. Rahab, the harlot, non-Jew, a prostitute in the land of Canaan, was one of the lineage of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Huh? Ruth, the Moabitess, oh, Moab, was a non-Jew, part of the lineage of Jesus. Come on now. 
Listen to me. One more time. Bathsheba. Part of the lineage of Jesus, folks, let me tell you something. If you can't see it, listen, Jew and Gentile alike, God put them Gentiles right in the lineage of Jesus Christ. So we'd have to understand God wants all men. The mystery of his will, he would have all men to be saved. Not all will, but he would have. A, I'll tell you this much about all men. All men will be judged according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's our duty to this generation to preach this gospel. In such a way to the intent that principalities and powers in the heavenly places, some of the most powerful strongholds in the in, in the universe would be would have to hear and quake that Jesus is the son of God. And that God said, sit right here, son, at my right hand till I make my your enemies your footstool. Almost 10 times, I think it's 10 times that passage, Psalm 110 is repeated. You're a priest forever after the uh, order of Melchizedek, an endless life, the power of an endless life. Keep going with me. Stay with this thing. Look at Ephesians chapter five. When he talks about the husband and the wife, husbands love your wife, all that. He comes back down to verse 30. For we are the member. Let's 29 verse 29. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does his church. For we are members of his body, <clears throat> of his flesh and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. Look at that mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church, making the two one, a reconciling and a bringing the other of two into one by the blood of Jesus Christ and reconciling, reconciling all things by the blood of Christ and making peace as the two become one reconciling and making peace. That's what peace means to set at one. Peace means to set at one. It means there's no division in the heart or in the head. There's, that's what brings peace when your double minded man is unstable. There's no rest in confusion. He brings order. He brings peace. There's no more enmity because he nailed the enmity to the cross and made peace by his blood. Jew, Gentile, I don't care what your background might be. We all come in to the kingdom of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no other access. There is no other entry. One more passage in Ephesians, and we're going to bring this into a bigger picture. We all know in chapter 6, if you've studied the Bible or been around any preaching for any amount of time, this, we get the, the idea of spiritual warfare from chapter 6, verses 10 and following. Put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God. Now, I don't want to go through that and bog us down there, but what I do want you to see is this. At the end of putting on all that armor of God, <clears throat> if we look at this in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me, Paul said, pray for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The Apostle Paul put so much emphasis on this idea of revealing the mystery, the fellowship of the mystery, 
setting in order this mystery that the revealing of the mystery in the last day has been hidden throughout all the ages that Jew and Gentile would worship at the same altar, worshiping Jesus. That altar is the cross. We come in through the blood of the cross and we worship God in the kingdom come. Now, when Jesus began his ministry, uh, one of the first things right out the box, he he started preaching. We know the Sermon on the Mount, but we we know that he used parables to teach. And in Mark chapter four, there's a wonderful passage that I've always been very intrigued with in Mark chapter four. He had just spoken the parable of the sower, and I, I, I taught this pretty thoroughly in, uh, when I taught on the Sermon on the Mount just recently. It's on the website. If you want to see that, you can go back to it. After he taught on the parable of the sower, he just left it empty, uh, you know, just open-ended. He just, you know, a sower went out to sow, and when he did, he sowed some seed, and some fell by the wayside, some fell among the uh, stony places, and uh, some fell among the thorns, and some fell on good ground. That was it. He just left it. That was the whole message. So the disciples came to him when he was alone and said, what does that mean? Now, look, let's pick it up from right there. Well, what does it even mean? We heard you. Verse 11, he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables so that seeing they may see and not perceive. Hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins should be forgiven them. And then he said, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? You see, he said to you, it has been given to those who pursue Jesus. Go past the big meeting, past the what's uh, what's on black and white. Go past and say, I need to understand when we begin to seek to understand. God wants to open your eyes that he might make men see what is the mystery of the gospel. See the fellowship of this mystery to understand the kingdom of God. See, Old Testament Israel was given a place, a land. They came into the land of Canaan. All right. And God said, I'm going to give you all this land. It is not your, you're going to, here it is. I'm going to get, and that little dot on the map, Israel uh, has been the, the source of contention ever since God said it's yours. It's been, we're seeing it's in the talk about in the headlines right now. We're warring over Israel right now. I mean, everybody on this planet wants Israel off the map. It's amazing. And so when we see this thing. Now, the bottom line is this. We're, the kingdom of God is not focused on the people or the land of Israel. It's just not. Israel was given as our example. We might learn from them. And we need to take this to heart. They're an example. We don't replace Israel. That's not what the Christian church is about. We're not replacement. We're talking about a whole new thing. God has replaced everything and he's called it the kingdom of God. And it doesn't uh, uh, revolve around the Jew and Israel or the land of Israel. It revolves around the kingdom of God and eternal life with a new heaven and a new earth. And Christ is the center of everything. Folks, this is what we have to understand, that the kingdom of God is not based on an old covenant. It's on a new covenant. It's the kingdom come. And when we can open our eyes to this and quit blending the two, oh, the covenant of grace gets much more powerful and that we can begin to see the clarity that God will. There is no barriers here, but we get prejudiced by our uh, religion that we grow up in. We just do. 
and we get all um, it takes it takes forever or, or it takes powerful re- revelation and intense understanding of the word of God to begin to to break free. It's almost like uh, taking the layers off of an onion or, or just peeling back the layers. It's just so covered up that the wicked one has blinded the mind unless we would see. The clarity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stay with me. Let's turn to Romans chapter 11. In Romans, the 11th chapter, and I've been touching on this a lot. Again, we're dealing with the nation of Israel on this one. In verse 12, I'll read you a verse. I'll start in verse 11. I say then, have they stumbled, Israel, that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Look at there. Now, if their fall is the riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentile, how much more would their fullness be? Look, I believe God has every intention to visit Israel in these last days. I do. I believe that the people of God, the Jew, will have an opportunity. They have rejected Christ for 2,000 years in, in a big way. They do, don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. They're still waiting on a Messiah. That's why they will be duped by Antichrist. Once they understand they're duped, they're going to come back to Christ. They will know the Christ. It's our duty as the Gentile church to begin to preach Christ in a way that they would, they would make the Jew jealous. But we've uh, compromised it with the world. Now we compromised it with the law. And we want to make the, we want to mimic uh, Jewish festivals and feasts. Uh, I love what Jacob Presh said right here. He said, you're just not good at it. The Jews are mocking you. Quit doing that. <laughs> I think he's right. Quit doing that. Talking about satyrs and all. Y'all don't even know what you're talking about. Big old Gentile folk trying to do Jewish. You ain't Jewish. Stop it. We have to understand that, that, that we're to provoke the Jew to jealousy. How? By our intimacy with Christ, our intimacy with God through Jesus Christ. That we're not trying to uh, compete with the world. We're not trying to go back and be Israel. We are the Christian church. We're the kingdom come and we have the Holy Ghost inside of us. Christ is in me and that's the hope of glory. Look, Colossians says that the mystery would be revealed. The mystery is this. Colossians chapter one, go read it. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery revealed. Christ is in me. The kingdom come is inside of me. I don't care if I ever go to Jerusalem in my life. I couldn't care less about this word, Jesus. This is the Jordan. I don't care. Makes me no difference whatsoever. Let me tell you what. Jesus Christ reached out into my filth. To, uh, in 1981, pulled me out of my hell and took away my sins and gave me a new life and put this Holy Ghost in me. I don't care about the land of Israel. I'm so happy about this kingdom come inside of me. I'm saved. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Glory be to God. Huh? The kingdom of God knows no boundary, knows no term, has no stakes in this corner or that corner, east, north, west, south. It makes no difference. Time knows make no difference to the kingdom of God. It's without beginning, without end. 
the kingdom come. Oh, you can see it. Keep reading in Romans 11. Romans 11, by the way, I believe is one of the most powerful prophetic messages to this hour that we could ever look at. Look at verse 13. For I speak to you Gentile. Now remember, if the fall of Israel is our riches, what would their fullness be? So we hope Israel gets saved. If their fall made us get saved, boy, their, their salvation, come on. That be, for I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may pro, provoke to jealousy those who are of my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? I believe this is one of the most important passages we can look at and one of the most important insights to the coming event called the resurrection. Now, let me just say something right quick. I pray in the name of Jesus that everybody would shut up with the word rapture. Just please and just shut your mouth about rapture. It's a foolish theology. It's an ignorant theology. It's dumb. It's not even a Bible word. It's a Latin word. It, and it's a very new thinking. Especially this pre-trib rapture stuff that we're going to poof, we're out of here. Man, that's just so stupid. It's not even biblical. Please stop with all that. Some of you are in for a rude awakening. You got no theology for tribulation. No doctrine for suffering. This is totally Western and industrialized nation theology that nothing should ever make me feel pain. Silly. Stay with it. Now we get into the part that I want you to see. Let's jump ahead to verse 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. What? I don't want you. What mystery? He said, we're Gentiles. We were wild olive trees or branches grafted into the original. The Jews were the olive tree and they were the good tree. This was the and we're wild olive trees grafted it, grafted in against nature. You understand that? Watch. I don't want you to be ignorant of this, brethren, lest you be uh, of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And so all Israel will be saved as, as it is written. The deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant when I, with them when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Now, I want you to see this, that the blindness that was on Israel when they rejected Jesus is now on the church, the Gentile church. We're as blind as Israel was when Jesus came. And now here we are at the return of Jesus Christ. We're as blind. We wouldn't know biblical Jesus if we tripped over it. Another Jesus has been preached so much, we don't even understand biblical Jesus. We're blind to it. Now, I keep mentioning this blindness because I've got a point to make as we go further, further. Mystery means it's hidden. You can't see it. It's now, now it has been revealed for 2000 years and it ought to be a simple gospel 101. But even in the Christian church, you were blind to this issue of the fellowship of the mystery. 
that all would fellowship in one thing. And it's in the cross. The cross is where peace was made. The cross is where we were reconciled to God. The cross, the cross, the blood of the cross would make two, one, would make people of all kind of diverse, every language, tongue, and nation. Read the book of Revelation. All nations are going to be worshiping in heaven. All of the redeemed and ransomed of the Lord will be praying and worshiping together. Oh, this ain't ecumenicalism right now where we're all supposed to forget about what's holy and what's unholy. Forget about all. No, I'm telling you, this is not ecumenicalism. This is about those who have been made one in Christ. That now we have God is in Christ. Christ is in us and we're in him and we have a covenant at the cross that I'm in him and him and he. Me, this And the two become one. And everybody who has this relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ can now have fellowship one with another. I've been in over 30 countries. And let me tell you something. When I come across a born again in another nation, it's instant fellowship. I've known a lot of religious folks in America and I have no fellowship with them. They give me the heebie-jeebies. Personally, I just don't like a lot of them. I hate the fakeness. I don't like it. Now, I would love for them, to, but the blindness that's on them from the American Jesus and the Americanized gospel is horrible. And it's about time we open our eyes to it. Keep reading and let's see what we can come up with here. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, I will tell you, I've done extensive teaching on this passage or on these passages that we're about to read in my book, The Doctrines of Christ. And I've taught a lot of it um, in, in, our, in our teaching on the book of Revelation. And you can go back and see that any time on our website. But I want you to see something. We'll start in verse uh, 51. And then we'll go back and cover some other ground in 1 Corinthians. Now, the whole book of 1 Corinthians, or the chapter, I should say, of 1 Corinthians 15, is literally the most um, detailed account of the resurrection from the dead. Let me say, all right, look, all of you who, who, who talk about rapture, please say this with me. Resurrection. Here, let's actually talk about a Christian doctrine called the doctrine of the resurrection. That's where we get up again from the dead. Okay. Resurrection, not rap. It's resurrection. Okay. Stay with that. Chapter 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. What is the resurrection? The dead will be raised. What is that saying? The dead will be raised. What is the resurrection from the dead? Huh? When the dead are raised, that's called the resurrection, not the rapture. This is the resurrection in a moment. For this corruptible must put, look, he says, for the dead, the trouble will sound, the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So then when the corruption, uh, the corruptible has put on incorruption and the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death was your sting. Grave was your victory. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. The mystery. 
Okay, the mystery is that it's very simple. We'll not all sleep, but we will all be changed. The dead in Christ will rise first. They got six feet further to go, I guess. But the fact is, we'll all get a resurrected body at that time. This is called the resurrection, folks. The resurrection from the dead. Look, the mystery culminates on this great event. Look what Paul told us in Ephesians 1. Waiting for the redemption of the body. The redemption of the purchased possession. Man, when our bodies are redeemed, folks, look, God has saved our souls. But look, we wait for the resurrection, the redemption of the body where we get a new body that will live forever. Come on. A physical body. I don't know what it'll look like. I don't know what it would be. We do not. It does not yet appear what we shall be. I know when Jesus resurrected, they could recognize him, but it was vague. They could see him. He could eat. He could talk, walk through walls. Oh, come on, man. Oh, come on. Y'all, I'm excited. We, you know what? We might be the generation that sees this. Everything's just starting to all line up. Everybody work. Ooh, the Antichrist going to come on. Ooh, we might say, good. Let him come because the Christ is coming. <laughs> I'm waiting for one big thing. The Christ is coming. Now back up in, in Corinthians and let's go to verse 20. Remember, he talks so much about the resurrection in chapter 15. And in verse 20, he starts there. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so even in Christ shall all be made alive. Now, this is important. In Christ, everybody's going to be made alive. Let me, say, let me explain what that means. Everybody means everybody. Will they all get insane? Nope. They just will all be made alive. See, our problem is we don't understand eternal judgment. We don't get it. See, the resurrection is all in preparation of an eternal judgment. Let me explain something. Death and hell are temporary judgments. Ain't nobody going to burn in hell forever. Ain't going to happen. But some are going to burn in a lake of fire for eternity. And you'll get a physical body that will be able to endure the eternal damnation. In Christ, you'll be made alive whether you want to or not. Every name that everybody who's named the name of Christ, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, fake, phony, real, true. It doesn't matter. Christ is going to make everything alive. So he can judge it. According to the gospel. All judgment will be measured out at the cross of Jesus Christ. We see uh, lady justice or lady injustice in America. It pivots at the heart of Jesus. Vertical post up to God and down to man. That God has reached down to man through the person of Jesus Christ. God was in Jesus reconciling to the world unto himself. God let the world crucify his flesh. That the blood of Jesus might appease the wrath of God. That his blood might cover the sins of we talked about in the redemption last week. I won't go over it again, but let me tell you, vertically, God reached out to man and man back to God. Now, horizontally, God reached his arms out to the whole world. 
And it all pivots on the heart of Jesus. Do you love him? Oh, the heart, the seed of value, the seed of love. Do we love Jesus? Because he loved us enough to die and endure that. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. He shall see the suffering of his servant and he will be satisfied. Oh, Jesus appeased the wrath of God. And to those who would absolutely surrender their lives at the heart and the cross, this is the place where peace is made. Peace with God. Forget religion. I don't care what color you are, what creed you are. I don't care what you've been. You come through the cross of Jesus Christ. And man, I lock arms with you right now. Oh, man, come on. You won't be worried about a cathedral anymore. You'll be worried about Jesus Christ. You know, your focus won't be on buildings and on a, a church attendance. Your focus will be on letting Jesus dwell in your heart richly and making a, a place, a, a, a holy habitation for God in your own heart. You will become the temple of God. One building block in his temple and you have no problem being fitted together with another building block in the temple. Oh, the mystery, the fellowship of the mystery that look, folks. Keep reading this. Watch carefully. Oh, you got to see the end of this. Christ is risen from the dead, has become the first fruit of those who've fallen asleep. For by man came death, by man came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even in Christ shall all be made alive. But each one in his own order. Look, there's an order in the resurrection. Christ, the first fruits. Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. Jesus Christ's resurrection stands alone. It has to stand alone. We need to look to it and it alone. I don't care what some of these false prophets say about what they could do. Uh, but you understand that Jesus, the son of the living God, died for you, buried. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. Christ is the first in the order of the resurrection. The first fruits are all those when he went into the lower parts of the earth and he preached in Abraham's bosom and he led captivity captive. It began the first fruits resurrection. And I'm going to tell you that's been put on hold. It's been put on pause. And I will tell you in the middle of the, re uh, of the revelation in the great tribulation, we will see a continuance of the first fruits resurrection. And then everybody. Christ, the first fruits, and then those that are his that is coming. Look, everybody who receives Christ at the coming of Jesus Christ are going to go up in this first fruits. Oh, somebody ought to shout. Come on, Christ, the first fruits, then those that are his that is coming. Oh, I can't wait for the coming of Jesus Christ. I name his name. I separate his name. I hallow his name. I believe in the power of his name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Neither is there salvation in the other name. The power is in the name of Jesus. Jesus has been lifted up above everything. Now keep reading. Watch carefully. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God, the Father. When he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power, he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed. Come on, his death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it's evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now all things are made subject to him. Then the son himself, when he is subject to him, who has put all things under him, that God may be all in all. 
God subjected Je- God. God gave it to Jesus. Jesus is going to give it right back to God. Y'all, God will be all in all. Folks, let me tell you something. Here we sit in a in an earth that God created. God is our creator. He made the heavens and the earth by his son, Jesus Christ. He made them by the word of his power. God put this in order and then he and has been upholding it with the word of his power. And it's been literally doing what he created it to do, but it has been usurped. The world is separated from the earth. The world has been usurping God's earth for for all these years under a a worldly ruler, a cosmocrator named the devil. And that cosmocrator has blinded the minds. And we think the world is what it's all about. But let me tell you something. God's fixing to start his judgments on this earth. He will use the earth to judge the world. And the more God judges through his earth, the less appeal this world will have. If they don't have an earth to build their world on, it's going to all fall apart. And I don't care if it's Bill Gates or George Soros or who's the uh, president of the United States or the prime minister. I don't care about the World Economic Fund form or what the money is. I don't care about any of those things. Let me tell you one thing, that when this world is disrupted by the creator of this earth, nothing they can do to stop Almighty God from flexing the power of His omnipotence and messing this whole world up. And they're going to know that God is God. Huh? They got some blinded billionaires who think they know some Mark Zuckerberg and, 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 and George Soros and all the Elon Musk. These people are blind. Donald Trump, they're all blind. Till they know that every knee will bow. I'm a Soros knee will bow. Zuckerberg knee will, every billionaire knee will bow at the name of Jesus Christ. I don't care Jew, Gentile. I don't care what you are. Uh, I don't care if you're Muslim. I don't care what you are. Hindu, you're going to bow. Communist China, you bow. Xi going to bow. I'm going to be standing right there. My angel will be standing right there at attention. I'm going to be standing right there. You're going to bow. Yes, you will. <laughs> we'll kill you. You kill me, but God will raise me up and I'll, I'm going to watch you bow. <laughs> You're bowing now. Oh, hallelujah. You ought to bow now so you don't get judged with the world. Do you, keep, look, God, all things are going to be put on his feet. And the last thing to put under is death itself. Somebody ought to get stirred up right there. You hear me? Sit thou at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. When God starts judging this earth and using the earth, all the creation begins to shake and groan. When all creation, the stars begin to fall and disrupt their patterns and order. When when trees and mountains begin to quake and shake and tear and split. When rivers won't behave and oceans won't stand still. When God begins to disrupt everything on this planet, this world will fall apart. Nothing you can do about it. Oh, you creature, bow your knee to the Creator. I'm talking about the mystery. Oh, it won't be mysterious when God peels back the veil. It'll be real clear real soon. 
that everything you ever valued was misplaced, misdirected. Keep going. I want you to turn with me to the book of, book of Revelation, first chapter. Y'all stay with y'all. I hope I ain't throwing nobody off the wagon here. Revelation chapter one, the Bible, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. You understand this? This is the revealing of the coming of Christ. You get that? We, we're not trying to figure out who the Antichrist. We, he's revealing the coming of Christ. Get that in your spirit. Now, let's look at chapter one, verse 20. We'll start reading in uh, verse 17. And when I saw him, John saw Jesus. He said, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I like that. Huh? The man just fell out like a dead man. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Yeah, that sometimes that don't comfort me when even when Jesus says it, don't. I'm afraid of him. But I know he loves me and I love him back. And I guess we can get over that with some reassurance with a, if he lay hands on me, I'll be reassured. He said, I'm he who lives and was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Oh, and I have the keys of hell and death. Oh. Who does not the devil. Jesus said, I have the keys. He went down and took them, slapped the devil, giving him. But I killed you. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'm up. God raised me back up. Well, you can't do nothing when a dude won't die. Write the things which you've seen, the things which are, and the things that will take place after this. The mystery, whoa, mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. <laughs> Now, I have much I could say about the seven churches. I believe the seven church ages is what we've been living through for the past 2000 years. I believe we are in the seventh church age. I believe we're living. It's called the Laodicean period, an age of lethargic, lukewarm, not hot, not cold. But the key to our generation, it says, thus saith the amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. Let me tell you, the word Jesus said, thus says the beginning of the creation. Thus says the amen, the faithful and true witness. I believe what you and I need to understand in this generation is we need to be faithful and true witnesses. And some of us don't know how to give testimony and bear witness right now. The Holy Ghost is always testifying about Jesus. And when he gets in us, we also will bear witness. And it's time to open our mouth and start bearing true witness. This is what Jesus has done for me. When you begin to proclaim that in the earth, it's going to make every devil shudder. It's going to make uh, everybody pay attention. They're going to be all eyes on you. Jesus did this for me. Come on, drug addict, quit doping. Come on, fornicator, quit fornicating. Alcoholic, quit being an alcoholic. You're going to get redeemed and ransomed and the power of the gospel will manifest and you're going to be different. You won't be a person of sin anymore. You'll be a redeemed and the ransomed of the Lord. And the shackles will break off of your life and you'll be changed. Look, quit going to that dead church that can't get you out your shackle. 
Oh, come on. Well, at least they're going to church. Man, look, <laughs> I've gone to church to be at a funeral. I don't want to do that. If you ain't alive, get out. I've got no duty to prepare you how to live in this life. None whatsoever. My duty is to prepare you for the life to come. Everybody's trying to put springs on your wagon and giving you a smooth ride right now. They want to, they want to air condition your home and they want you to have a lot of money and they want you to live with a, a pretty clothes and they want, they want to care about everything for this life and it got nothing to do with the world to come. We've got bubble wrap Christianity. That came to me a while ago. I was popping bubble wrap right before this meeting. I said, you know, that's what Christianity is today. Bubble wrap. You know, it's protective for shipping. <laughs> Y'all have seen this stuff. You can't help it when you pop bubble wrap. Oh, my goodness. This is an addiction. Pop, 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 pop. Oh, it's so good. My dog runs away. She can't stand pop. <laughs> it's protection. But you see, we've got so many doctrines that are just like bubble wrap. You pop them and it pops your bubble and there's no more protection. So many people are insulated in life with bubble wrap theology, but it ain't real. It will not protect pop. And we just pop your butt. One little pin. You got no more theology. They got no doctrine to stand on. It's flimsy. It is superficial. It is no strength or power to it whatsoever. This is what he said. Here's the mystery of the seven stars and the seven candlesticks. The mystery is that the seven stars are the angels of the churches. Now, we get this word angel. And go, Ooh, angels. Ooh, angels. They're there. But let me tell you, it's basically angel means messenger. The messengers to the seven churches. These are those apostolic and prophetic leaders to each church age. And the candlesticks are the churches. Now, I have much I could say here, but I can't for this because we would literally go off track. I would love to go through the seven letters to the seven churches with it. I got them somewhere out there on one of these teachings. So go out there and listen to them. But for now, let's just cut to the chase and jump ahead. I want you to turn me to Revelation chapter 10. Verse one, I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven and clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, his feet like pillars of fire, he had a little book open in his hand. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voice. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which is seven thunders uttered and do not write then. Then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and, and on the land raised his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it and the sea and the things that are in it. There should be delay no longer. The King James says time shall be no more. We're out of time. No more delays. The fullness of the Gentiles has come. The full number has come. The Gentile age is closing. 
It's all done. It's finished. You talk about a finishing. Watch carefully. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, look, the seventh angel blowing a trumpet. See, messengers blow the trumpet to sound the warning. That's what happened. I believe we're waiting for some mysterious uh, uh, progression of blow. I believe the trumpets have been blowing for 2000 years. I believe a trumpet was blown in each church age. And now in this seventh church age, the trumpet is saying, thus saith the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. I know that you're not hot and you're not cold. You're lukewarm because you're not hot or cold. I will vomit you out of my mouth. I'm standing at your door and knocking. Man, I'm knocking. Let the fire burn of your first love and get the fire of God back inside of you. Come on me. Buy of me gold tried in the fire. Listen to me carefully. Get anoint your eyes that you can see the mystery. Because now watch carefully. Watch carefully. The angel, when I watch in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he was about to sound, the mystery of God is finished. He declared to his servants, the prophets. And the voice which I heard from the heaven spoke to me again and said, go take the little book, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and the earth. So I went and I to the angel and I said, to him, give me the little book. He said, take it and eat it. It'll make your stomach bitter. It'll be sweet as honey in your mouth. I took the little book out of the angel's hand and I ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. He said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. See, the bittersweet, I believe that little book is Daniel. I believe the unsealing of the whole book is the book of Daniel being unsealed in our generation. Hear me carefully. Eating the book is sweet. Well, when I, when I see the revelations of God, they're sweet in my mouth, I want to tell you. But the digestion of these things and the preaching of them is very bitter. When you begin to deal with the realities of humanity and our generation, the seventh angel begins to sound the mystery will be finished. The mystery of Jew and Gentile. I believe the coming. Look, folks, Israel just got blown up. Now the Gaza Strip is being attacked. I mean, relentlessly by Israel. You got Iran. Mark my words. Iran is going to be the tail of the tape. Iran, when Iran gets blown up by the West, hear me, Iran will be eradicated by the West. Iran will be leveled and uninhabitable. Oh, Christian people in Iran, if you can get out of there, get out, flee. Iran is going to be a parking lot. It will be a nothing zone. It will be vast wasteland and empty. It will be eradicated. Persia will come down. Hear me carefully. It's coming on down. We see Russia, we see China, North Korea, and we see all these evil players in all the Muslim world. Why oh, the heathen rage? Why the people imagine a vain thing? They've gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ. It ain't about the land of Israel. It's about the coming of Christ. Hear me carefully. Let me tell you where he's going to come. He's going to step foot on the Mount of Olives and he'll split in two. And we will see Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God. And every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. Hear it, folks. Oh, the mystery revealed. 
the finishing of this mystery. But there's another mystery at work. And I won't be taking but a few minutes to show this. I believe I'm out of time, but what's time when we're going to live forever? Huh? Turn me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Verse 1, now, brothers, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. Look at that word, our gathering together to him. Now, the word gathering here, as I said before, is a little bit different. I want you to hear this carefully now. In, in, in Ephesians chapter 1, it's a very unusual word for he, that, in the, that he will get. The mystery of, of God's will is that he will gather together all things in one in Christ Jesus. That is an unusual word. And it literally means it's it's two parts and it means emphasized again. He will gather, he'll get everything back together again. This is Anna. But the real word is that a trauma to the head. It it it, it, it really, let me see if, if we could put it together. It means um, a summary, if you would. Now, how weird is that? Come under one heading, a summing up if you would, where we can get this all in clarity. It's a very peculiar word that's used here. All right. It's only used a couple of times in the New Testament. And this is one of them in Ephesians one. And it means to, it's again, it's used again in Romans 13. If you would look at, I don't want to go there right now tonight. I want to make this a little brief right here, but I want you to hear it carefully. That in Romans 13, he talks about uh, the divisions of the law versus grace. And he says that, the, that that it's in the law where we there a summary of the sum up of the whole matter is that everything we've ever heard is that it all comes down to love your neighbor, uh, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself for all the world. Uh, the law is fulfilled in this one thing. And so the same word is used right in there. Now, again, it eradicates the division of law and grace. We're not coming together under Moses and Jesus. We're coming together under Jesus. I don't care nothing about Moses. I'm glad he's, I hope he's saved. I'm glad he's saved. I care about Jesus Christ. I don't care about Elijah. All, I care about Christ, the son of the living God, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. One look at Christ, all the other human figures in this planet should just be, get out of here. We're, we're all worried about Taylor Swift and presidents and, 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 and quarterbacks and baseball players. Man, I don't care. These guys are nothing. Let me tell you about this. Jesus was killed and he got up from the dead. Now that's something to, that's remarkable. The rest of those guys, uh, some of the greatest quarterbacks now are limping. Walking on canes. Crippled up. They were heroes, but now they can barely walk. Jesus got up from the dead. They beat him to death and he got back up. Come on, man. That's cool. Better than ever. Second Thessalonians. Look now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or word or by letter as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped 
so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Boy, that's something to look at there. The lawless one will come. Now, let me tell you something. I believe the lawless one has literally convinced men You see, the creature has usurped himself above the creator. We have been confused in our own mind, blinded by the lawless one. There is a lawless one and he is that cosmo creator. He is the ruler of the darkness of this world. He has blinded people's minds. He's blinded their hearts and people are blinded to the truth that's in Christ Jesus so that we all we care about is ourselves right now to where we worship and serve the creature more than the creator or who is blessed forever. Let me tell you, this is what's happened that we uh, have literally sat in the, our own hearts that we are gods. And we do whatever we want to do and we couldn't care less that there's a supreme being called God Almighty who made the heavens and the earth. We are his sheep of his pasture. He made us. We didn't make ourselves. And you've got 60 or 70, 80 years and you're dead. You better prepare for eternity. The lawless one, the mystery of lawlessness is being revealed that we couldn't care less about being governed by anyone but ourselves. We want to do whatever we want to do. It's a major theme in everything going today. Do what you want to do. Turn with me. I want to show it to you one more time in the mystery. In Revelation 17, and I'm going to about to stop. Revelation 17, verses 1 through 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot, who sits on many waters and whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. The inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abomination and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of all harlots and the abomination of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. When I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. The angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast you saw was and he is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not, and yet is. Now, let me just tell you, folks, there is a mother of all harlots. King James is much more blunt 
the mother of all whores, the great whore. A whore is a woman who sells herself for money, a prostitute, the mother of whores. She has birthed many more harlots. This is a religious harlot, folks, a religious whore, if you would. And she has birthed others after her. There are many religions birthed after this harlot. There's lots of money in her whoredoms. Folks, I'm telling you, the Bible says in Revelation 18, come out of her, my people. Mystery Babylon. I believe mystery Babylon and the mystery of lawlessness are absolutely a cohesive thought. That there are those who are steeped in religion who are literally subjected to the mother of harlots. You're, you think you're saved and you're not. I, I hope you would look at the, the attire of this harlot purple and scarlet and gold and golden cups. I mean, I, I, I grew up Roman Catholic. I don't have to stretch too hard to see what that means. But let me tell you, it ain't just Roman Catholicism. She birthed a bunch of little whores. They're called Protestants. They're called evangelicals and Pentecostals and Baptists and Methodists. They call every kind of thing you want to call religious harlots who've sold themselves for money. They would kill Jesus the first chance they get. We got churches that abort babies. We got churches that are trafficking. They got churches who couldn't care less about all the moral things God ever said. Some of you need to wake up to the mystery. See, the revelation of the mystery is that if you want to worship God, you will come through Jesus Christ. You will have Christ in you, the hope of glory. That means that the blood of Jesus will take away your sin and your heart will be satisfactory for the Holy Spirit of God to come live in. And you'll be a new creature in Christ Jesus. You won't just be a person who goes to a lot of church meetings. You will be a different person. You won't want nothing to do with sin. You don't want the world. You only want the world to come to Jesus. You're going to go against the grain. You will follow Christ. And if you follow Christ, the world will hate your guts. Oh, let the mystery take the blinders off. But see, He will gather together all in Christ. Let me just say in one. You see, that word means to traumatize the head. My Bible says early on that Jesus Christ would bruise the devil's head. He'll bruise Jesus's heel. I'm going to tell you right now, we're seeing the head of the serpent crushed in this last generation. He's desperate. He has but a short time. Folks, it's time to come to Jesus. It's time for you to get the blinders off of you and you're blinded in your sin. You're blinded in your lawlessness. Come and submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Bend your knee. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Step into this great mystery called the mystery that we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And the dead in Christ will rise and we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And we'll get a body that will live forever. May the Lord bless and keep you.
May the Lord absolutely cause you to evaluate your own life and look at this. Do I understand the mystery of the gospel? Have I come through uh, the blood of Jesus Christ making peace in me? Do I have peace with God in my heart? Do I have peace with another in my heart? Come to Jesus. God bless you. Dwell in this word. Let that break your alliance with the mystery of iniquity or lawlessness and the mystery of whores, the religious harlot who has you in a false church. Break it and come to Christ through the blood of Jesus. God bless. Amen. We are so thankful that you joined us for this teaching today. It's our sincere prayer that many of you would be born again through hearing God's word. If you were blessed by this podcast, we would love to hear from you. For more information on Oikos Ministries, visit us on our website, www.housechurchesusa.com.